Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coach Baseball Right podcast. I'm your host and founder of Coach Baseball Right, Steve Nicolarat. Join us as we go inside, outside, and all around baseball, discussing how to coach baseball the right way. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Nicolarat with Coach Baseball Right. Coach Baseball Right is really excited to announce our Administrator and Lead Coach Certification Program in St. Louis, Missouri, the weekend of September 27th, 28th, and 29th. As educators who are focused on best educational and up-to-date practices, we're trying to help administrators and lead coaches create an environment that will transform the baseball experiences of their players and parents. During the certification, administrators and lead coaches will be taught every aspect of baseball that they will need to know and how to execute coaching with in-depth analysis and educational resources. The weekend schedule starts on Friday night and continues all day on Saturday with a social event in the evening. On Sunday morning, we focus on giving administrators and lead coaches an action plan to leave and execute. Now what's a coach going to get by participating in this event? Over 11 hours of direct instruction. You're going to receive Coach Baseball Right Lifetime Hall of Fame membership, Coach Baseball Right coaching gear. You'll receive one ticket to the September 28th, 2019 St. Louis Cardinals Chicago Cup baseball game and food and drink provided during the certification program as well. We'll be hosting and we'll be staying at the Hampton Inn Suites right across from Forest Park. And other attractions near that might be of interest would be Forest Park itself and the St. Louis Zoo, downtown St. Louis, and Bush Stadium, home of the St. Louis Cardinals. And you're just minutes away from some great cafes, bars, and restaurants located on the Hill, Dogtown, The Loop, and the Central West End. I hope everyone can join us for a wonderful weekend, September 27th, 28th, 29th, in St. Louis for our Administrator and Lead Coach Certification Program. Hope to see you there. Hi everybody. In today's podcast, we talk with Jeremy Sheets Sheetinger, College Division Liaison for the ABCA. Sheets has played his college baseball at Kentucky Wesleyan University, coached at a number of universities, was the director of baseball operations at the University of Kentucky, and head baseball coach at Spalding University before joining the ABCA. In his role at the ABCA, Sheets provides services and resources to membership, is responsible for increasing the awareness around the ABCA, hosts the ABCA Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, and manages social media efforts. Sit back and enjoy our conversation with Sheets. Hi, everybody. We're here with Jeremy Sheetinger, college baseball liaison at the ABCA. Hey, Sheets, thanks so much for being on the Coach Baseball Right podcast. Steve, it is an absolute pleasure to connect with you and connect with your audience and do what we can here from the ABCA National Office to help youth coaches and do us again. Grateful for the opportunity to hang out with you. 
Hey, Sheets, our coaching baseball right program is all about helping organizations, coaches, and parents transform baseball experiences and developments. We started this podcast to allow our listeners to hear different perspectives on coaching baseball the right way. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get going. Hey, Sheets, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I grew up in Frankfort, Kentucky, capital city, God's country, and uh, not biased at all, and um, <laughs> was, uh, you know, was a decent high school player, and I ended up playing Division two baseball, and ended up hurting my shoulder, and, and in the course of that, decided, uh, based on a lot of the experiences I'd had with great coaches, my, my Little League coach, Bud Ritchie, I had great high school coaches, Darren McDonald and David Kamak, who just put me under their wing and really challenged me and helped, helped me learn work ethic and, and leadership and did all those great things that just propelled me towards in the middle of my, my uh, college career. I just went, you know what, I want to coach. That's, that's exactly where I'm feeling drawn. And so instead of being a guy that went out and played summer baseball, I actually coached. So as a 20-year-old, I was a head coach of a 16-year-old all-star team. I did that again as a 21-year-old, um, making mistakes and getting sped up and not realizing how fast the game moves on the coaching side of things. So uh, I cut my teeth pretty early, but I knew that's the route I wanted to go. So I finished up my career in '04. I started coaching at an NAIA school, Georgetown College, uh, which is right outside my hometown of Frankfurt. Started there in '05, '06. I worked at a baseball academy with my college coach and, and got uh, you know behind the L screen and uh, just figured out that that wasn't necessarily where I wanted to spend my time. I wanted to be back on the field. I loved hitting fungo. I loved infield play. I loved you know base running. I loved being out on the on the on the grass. And so. I uh, went back into college baseball at Brescia University, uh, NEI school in Owensboro. I was a graduate assistant there. And uh, then got an opportunity to come on staff at the University of Kentucky with Coach Cohen. And at that time in 08, you know, we ended up at one point being ranked number one in the country. Went to a regional. I had a phenomenal season. Uh, but then moved into the director of baseball operations role and ran camps and did those things, worked camps all over the country, and got to see a, a really good you know brand of baseball. And then from that point forward, I went to a Division two school as recruiting coordinator, uh, for two seasons, and I was a Division three head coach for three seasons. So I got to kind of see it from all different angles across all different levels. And uh, then I had an opportunity here at the ABCA, an organization that I've been a member of since I've got, ever got into coaching. My college coach came back from his first convention my senior season, Alan Cox, and he's up in Okotoks, Alberta, Canada. And Alan said, Chiefs, I just ran into this this coaching convention, this association, it's special, it's different. It blew my mind. you got to be a part of it. And it was the first thing I did as soon as I graduated. And uh, this is my 15th consecutive year uh, being part of the ABCA. But this opportunity came about, Steve, as a job that had never been created, college liaison for more dedicated to small schools. And uh, it was a way for me to really, again, kind of transition out of coaching. But I've stayed in coaching because, as you know, through the podcast and through coaching clinics and those various things, I'm still coaching, but I'm coaching coaches, and I'm trying to uh, deliver resources that challenge them and help them think differently and certainly uh, work them towards learning and growing and finding lifelong uh, learning abilities and and, uh, challenging them with resources and doing those things. So it's been great, and again, we're getting a lot of different facets that we're into, but uh, that's kind of, again, my track to living here. I've got two great kids, Cooper's three years old, CJ, who just turned nine months old, and uh, they keep me, <laughs> they keep me fit and moving. And then my beautiful wife Chelsea, and, and we're happy and, and loving life here in Greensboro. That's awesome. And you have seen quite a bit when it comes to uh, baseball from a, a variety of different sides. Um, a yeah. lot of our listeners might not be that familiar with the ABCA. Can you give sure. our listeners just a, maybe a quick intro to the ABCA? 
Yes, absolutely. So we started back in 1945, and there's a great story of these these 21 gentlemen that got together as college coaches and said, "Man, we need to organize. We need to we need to build a a network to where we can come together each year, discuss issues, and and move forward." And you look at the grand scheme of things, man. 75 years. We just celebrated our 75th annual convention last uh, January, and you're talking about a group that helped bring forward the first All-Americans. You're talking about a group that helped create the College World Series as we know it in Omaha. Uh, you're talking about a group that's really been at the forefront of legislation that's helped really change the game of baseball, especially on the college level. Now, the unique thing about it, Steve, is that we were basically college coach only, specific, uh, up until the 80s. And at that point, you know, we were getting a lot of influx of high school coaches. Like, hey, I really want to be part of this and, and get privy to this information. You guys are having phenomenal clinics. And at that point, they allowed high school coaches to come into the fold, change the name to the American Baseball Coaches Association. And then from that point forward, it's been a very inclusionary. And really until recently did, did I think, kind of crossing some, some borders where uh, people felt like there was a prerequisite to be part of the association. And that's, again, the misnomer that we're really trying to get out in front of is there is no prereq. You don't have to technically be a coach of a team you could be a baseball enthusiast you could just be someone that wants to learn you know, doesn't have a team to coach you work in you know computer science you sell insurance you you do whatever you do but you just love the game you don't have to be a coach to be part of what we do or show up to a convention or come to a barnstormers event um, but more specifically to the youth coach and to the, uh, the the younger level guys who are you know more often than not not full-time not making any money, if if at all, but not making considerable amounts of money, and um, they're they're at times again making their mint somewhere else. And so, how can we give them things or push them in a direction that will allow them to have resources to go out and really create a great player experience? Because that's what this whole thing's about. And you and I have talked about that when you came on our show, which was a phenomenal episode. Uh, we talked about that. I mean, I think the if you're gonna judge a youth coach, judge him on the fact of how many kids after the season and moving into the following season say, number one, I want to play for that guy, so sign me up, but I want to be on that guy's team again. Or, number two, how many of you guys are still playing baseball? Because that's the one where it's easy as a, to protect your ego to say, hey, man, it's not about me. It really wasn't me. That kid just kind of and his parents, and it was this. And, and that, that's not the issue at all. Sometimes it relies on us and the experience that we gave them where we organized. Did we make them have fun? Did we create an environment that we taught the game, that we helped, you know, understand the failure that's wrapped into it? Did we create an environment that they flourished in? And if we didn't do that, a lot of times they don't want to play for you again. And a lot of times we push them into other things. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to soccer were bad baseball coaches. You know, because if, <laughs> yeah. if, if they're not if they're not having great experiences, you're going to go play soccer. And uh, everybody wins at soccer. I've, I've watched enough of that to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry right. for all you soccer guys out there. <laughs> hey, can you give me your day to day? What What's your day to day activities? What are they? What would they include at the ABCA? Yeah. So a lot of it comes back to, um, especially from the resource end. So I spend a majority of my time working now. I've shifted. Uh, still doing the small college stuff and still focused on D2, D3, NAI, junior college programs, doing what we can from where we sit to uh, listen to their conversations and at times organize their, their, their ideas and organize, uh, put a, you know, data behind it through a survey that allow us to move initiatives forward towards the championships committee of the NAI or the uh, Division Three or Division Two 
baseball committees that, again, moved to the championships. And we've been able to do that. We've helped uh, organize our group to change uh, the Division II National uh, Tournament, the Division III National Tournament, the NAI National Tournament. We're working on some big things with those folks and got a junior college initiative that's coming about. So I'll spend my time, you know, on that. But at the same time, I've moved into this resource end or, uh, you know, almost an outreach uh, position. And so a lot of it comes back to the podcast, Steve. As you know, these aren't easy it's a lot of scheduling. It's a lot of back and forth and communications and prep work and, and getting your ducks in a row. And then <laughs> on the back right. end of it, you, you hit you, you hit record and, the, the, you know, you run your interview. At the end of it, you hit it again. Well, I'm the dude that's got to sit here and edit those and bring those together and put the music behind it and produce it and then push it forward. So I spent a lot of time doing that. We've moved into a lot of the digital stuff, and so we've created a brand-new YouTube page. Uh, we shot a pilot TV show this past fall called ABCA The Roadshow. Right now we're working to put sponsorship dollars behind that so that we can shoot season two and make that an annual thing. It's not a biannual thing, but really trying to populate our YouTube channel with some really good videos. One will be coming out next week, uh, and then hopefully continuing that trend as we just can, again, continue to try to find ways to, to put more coaches in the spotlight and get their information out. Um, and then past that, I organize our uh, fall barnstormers coaching clinics, and these are regional coaching clinics around the country we run 20 of them uh, through the fall months when again most guys are not focused on coaching sometimes you do have fall leagues or fall practice but you know it's definitely better than running them in the spring when everybody is really playing baseball and we run these on the field we're, we're in every pocket of the country and it's a great way to come fellowship with other abca members and then connect with some really great teachers so I organize those and then on top of that man if you follow me on twitter uh, I'm at games. I'm mixing up with coaches. I'm, I try to be that outreach uh, member of our staff in terms of uh, making sure that we're out from the office, connecting with these folks on their terms. A uh, couple weeks, Steve, I'm going to be hitting up five different championships in 15 days, and uh, that's part of an annual deal I do to, to make sure we hit those small college events. And then about a couple weeks later, we'll head out to Omaha and then various tournaments throughout uh, the year, and then again back to barnstormers and back to convention, which I know we'll get back to in a little bit. You are a very, very busy, busy guy. <laughs> yeah, my wife would tell you that too. <laughs> hey, in, in recent sure. years, you, you know, you, you've already alluded to the fact that the ABCA has, has went down to the high school level and has welcomed high school coaches, which has been outstanding. Um, yeah. But it's also went down to the, the youth baseball world. Um, yeah. What can a youth baseball coach expect to get from it, uh, the ABCA membership? You know, and, and we're working on that every day. I think the, the biggest piece, and we'll start with the membership benefits, and I think anyone that gets involved with the ABCA, it, it's been a transition, especially over the last five years when Craig took over as executive director. Uh, Dave Kylitz, again, legendary figure inside the ABCA, built this association and really moved it forward over his 20-year tenure and moved it to a place of class and professionalism and you knew what you were going to get and Craig decided to take and build upon that and our staff and move it in a way that we would try to add as much as we could inside again our big word around here is free what can we do for coaches that's free we, we operate and move as a nonprofit, and so thinking about that we added membership benefits which was one of the first times that that this had happened before it was you know thirty thirty three dollars to become a member we moved it to 55, but we, we gave you like almost literally a $400 value inside of your membership. So things like this, Steve, things like personal liability insurance, which most leagues and most teams have that, and the difference becomes if they don't, 
This is your primary policy. If they do, this can be your secondary policy, but it's a million-dollar personal liability policy. And again, the age that we live in, God forbid you're out doing outfield drills and the sun's setting in a different way and, you know, you throw up a fly ball and smokes a kid in the nose and he's probably your right fielder, but he should be playing tuba in the band, but mom doesn't care. You were negligent and she wants to see if she can get some retribution for it. And we see that happen quite a bit. And so sometimes we have to call upon that policy. So being cognizant that that's there as part of your membership and every member, whether they have a policy or not in place, gets that. Past that, you know, we send a quarterly inside pitch magazine. So you get a chance to connect with some really great articles from great coaches. Uh, the podcast is free. You can get that even if you're not a member. But that's something that, that obviously is generated from uh, membership dollars and sponsorship dollars. Um, big piece would be, you know, again, if you're into that and more if you can use it in your personal day is hotel and rental card discount. So even, you know, if you're traveling with your family on a vacation, like I'm heading out here in a, uh, next week, with my family, and I've called upon our ABCA discount to uh, help our, our hotel rates. So, I mean, you can do that with the rental cars and hotels. <clears throat> and then past that, as you move forward, it's, it's really the organization of you know that if you're inside what we do, you have a voice. And so if we do operate a survey, if we do poll the audience or the membership and say, hey, what are some things you're thinking? I mean, I'm very blunt about this, Steve. If you're not a member, your voice can't be heard. And a couple coaches have what do you mean? I have a voice. No, I understand. But the coaches around the country and around the world that are dedicated to our association that have paid their membership, they in essence have told me, you're my boss now. So when you have a, you know, have a word to say, when you have an idea, my job is to pick up the phone and hear you out. And so what we can do is take all those voices together, put data behind it and say, man, 75% of our youth coaches are saying this. Uh, and, and then appropriately use that data or that uh, that, that information to move forward to uh, another association or group associations together. So we've been really trying to help the travel industry, which I know we'll get to in a little bit, is recognition of those guys. Again, there's, there's no governing body of travel baseball per se, although USA Baseball is the governing body of amateur baseball. When it comes to that travel segment, there's no one telling them where to go or what to do, and that's not where we want to be either. But we want to find ways to get involved, organize a voice, uh, do things that can help make their lives a little bit better. And then again, moving forward back to the youth coach, we just want to do more in terms of offering free resources. And again, whether that's clinic videos, whether that's barnstormer videos, the videos that we'll be putting on our YouTube channel, the podcast, whatever it might be, that you would have the opportunity as a youth coach. I know you're coaching eight-year-olds, but man, we're talking with the, the pitching coach, head coach, John Savage at UCLA, number one team in the country. What we'd like to hope is that we get to a place where learning and like you are, Steve, learners can hear John Savage and know that he's talking about pitching on a really high level, but how can you take what he's given it and boil it down and digest it to something that can show up with your eight-year-olds? And then we want to try to bridge that gap, but then again, eventually move towards resources that are dedicated strictly to youth coaches. If you do come to our convention, we do have two days, full days, of youth clinics, and that's something that was brand new this year. We did one day the year before. This year we went to two days. And youth coaches got a chance to hear from Darren Fenster, minor league coach with the Red Sox, head coach at Louisville, Dan McDonald, um, and a variety of, of other coaches that, again, have, have experience coaching youth baseball and can give them a great content. So, again, we're doing our best to move forward with that and make them a priority inside this association. And, and you know, Sheets, I can tell you from my experience, uh, just going to the ABCA as both a, a presenter and as a 
as a as just a coach, uh, it's awesome. That's right. And uh, the people yeah. that you get a chance to meet, and the quality of the clinics and the workshops, uh, great stuff. Now I got to ask you this awesome. question: You do so many great things, and it sounds like a wonderful job, but there's always difficult parts to your job. What do you find the most difficult part of your job? <laughs> I'm working hard right now. Maybe you can help me with this. I'm working hard to find a 25th hour in the day. Um, you know, like if I, if I could somehow just push the clock back and get that extra hour, I think I could get some more stuff done. Um, that's the toughest part for me is, is been uh, navigating my, my time. Now, you know, I come into this from a college coach perspective. And um, for those of us that that have been on that level and, and even, and again, I know there's, there's high school coaches and travel coaches and, and youth coaches that take their job very seriously. But from a college coach perspective, this was how I paid my bills. And so I, I got to a place mentally, Steve, where I, I just consumed myself with it. So I, I never came off the clock. Like you could say, Hey, you worked a hundred hours a week, dude. I mean, 24 times seven, that, that was, I don't do, I don't do math if you can't tell. But that, that's what I was spending on my job. I mean, I was con- completely consumed with it and not taking weekends off and really never taking a lot of days off, period. I came into the office on Christmas night a few times just because I felt like that's how I was going to get ahead was out working everybody. So, again, it's been where I've struggled, Steve, has been coming out of that and then transitioning to this. And um, it, it's tough for me to turn it off. Like, it's tough for me to, at 5 o'clock, check out mentally or on the weekends, like, check out mentally. Like, I mowed my grass last night. Uh, at about seven o'clock and my whole brain is wrapped around this YouTube thing and our next video. And again, making sure I've got my ducks in order. Like I never really check out and that's just a carryover, man. So I, I struggle with that. Um, and my wife tells me about it. Chelsea's religious at telling me about that at 11 o'clock at night, somebody calls me and I lean over and answer it or they shoot me a text and I lean over and respond. And, you know, it, it makes, you know, her upset, but it's like Chelsea, but he's on the West coast. So to him, it's eight o'clock. So it's no big deal for him. So I just need to make sure I'm accessible. So uh, being accessible, again, it has its benefits. But at the same time, as you know, Steve, raising a family, there's there's moments where um, I'm working right now, but to be very transparent with you, I'm working really hard right now to, uh, when I'm home, to be home. And when I'm, you know, with my kids and, and Coop and I are playing, I, I leave my phone somewhere else and I'm dedicated to hanging out with that cat and, and, he, and chasing them all over the yard. And as CJ grows up, She's going to have, she already has my wallet already at nine months old. But when she wants something, I need to be make, make sure that there's nothing else that I'm really thinking about or distracting me from that experience. So I'm working really hard at that. So I know that's more personal than professional, but it, it is a carryover because I am passionate about this job. I love what we've been able to, to do here at the association. I think we're just now starting to pick up our pace on a nice stroll. And there's a point where I, we would like to, as a staff, move this association in a direction to where we're sprinting and we're moving as fast as we can. And we're just not there yet, but we're moving, we're moving pretty quickly for, for where it's come from. But uh, yes, yeah, so those, those are the personal and the professional things, but yeah, I don't, I don't look at those things as, as distractions or, or negatives. I, I just look at them as obstacles and there are ways that I can grow and ways that I can get better. And if I can manage them uh, and move forward and I think I'll be better because of it. You know, she, that's a, a great point. We we have a lot of young coaches that will be listening to this podcast. And and for a young coach or for an older coach like me, um, the, I was never able to to leave it um, at school or on the field. I, I always right. brought it home. And right. and I think that if, if that's something we can help younger guys at least identify that 
it's normal, but B, uh, if you really want to do a great job as a dad, you've got to you've yeah. got to work on leaving it uh, in the car, so to speak. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of coaches can benefit from that. Um, you know, on, if, go ahead, go ahead. Well, as I was gonna say real quick, I think the the way I've summed it up, and this is this is my I go back to as you were saying that I'm going back to the mentality that I had when I had the opportunity to come here and I'm looking at it going, well, man, I know what I do over here as a coach. And then they're telling me I can, I, you know, this is the way it's going to be over here. And at that time I just found out that we were pregnant with Cooper. And so I had a lot of mix of emotions, but the way I looked at it and the way that makes sense to me, and I actually had a conversation with a coach yesterday about this, another coach that he's, he's debating on whether or not he wants to stay in coaching. because He has two kids. And the conversation I had is actually very simple. And this is exactly the, the way I, I chose this job was that I could stay and be a great coach and an awful dad because I know who I am. I, I, I know how I'm generated. And, I, I, and this is just me. This, I'm not speaking across coaches across all boundaries. I'm just saying this is relative to me and my personality. I could be a, a work to be a great coach, but I would be an awful father. Or I could work to be a great father, but I'm going to be an awful coach. And on the college level, you're going to get fired. The, the thing about bad coaches is they have to sell their houses. And so that, that, that won't work either. Or I could be average at both. And, Steve, you're – you're cut from the cloth that I am in. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to be really great at it. And so I, I, I can't live with either one of those. And so for me, it made more sense. You know what? I'm going to do this job. Um, I'm going to figure out where I can tweak, where I can dial up. The man, priority number one is being a father. Now, for coaches that are out there, that 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 is one of the toughest things, to make sure that you're giving the priorities to what matters the most. And we all love baseball. We all love coaching. The impact that we can have, the contribution that we can offer to someone's life, uh, change their trajectory, just like my Little League coach did for me. Bud Ritchie changed my life so much so, Steve, that, you know, 30 years later I'm talking about him on a podcast. Like that's that, that to me is the contribution we're looking to make as coaches. But, 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 at the end of the day, is it about trophies? Is it about wins? Is it about that? Or, man, am I going to be judged on the contribution that I'm going to make to Cooper's life and to CJ's life? into Chelsea's life. Like, I think I'd rather be defined by that a hundred times over than be defined on who I was as a coach. Hey, Sheets, that is, that is great stuff. And thank you so much for, uh, for putting that out there for our listeners. I mean, that's of all the things we're going to talk about today, I'm going to be honest with you. What we just talked about, what you just said is by far the most important part. Awesome. Um, so thank you. Hi everybody. Steve Nicola out with coach baseball, right? If you are considering how to improve your organization, facility, or league, consider our Organizational League Facility Certifications. These certifications are extremely affordable and you can choose from three different levels. Level 1 is our most affordable certification that starts with just your administrator getting access to our pro membership resources. And then all of your coaches can be put on the same page by using our rookie membership resources. Level two certification gets all your coaches in your entire organization using our pro member membership resources together. Level two will help your coaches teach and develop consistently throughout your program. And level three, everyone in your organization, all administrators, all coaches, all parents, all get on the same page with access to our pro membership. Level three will completely transform your baseball program. Plus, we'll provide year-long follow-up for support, strategies, and ideas to help you and your organization maximize and use these certifications. If you're asking how you can make a difference for your organization, league, or facility, 
consider these organizational certifications. Hey, uh, let's go uh, into something not as important. Uh, let's go into technology. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, how is, sure. Uh, how has technology impacted baseball today? Uh, we, I guess we can talk about pl- playing and coaching and recruiting. Uh, how has yeah. it impacted baseball? Gosh, man, what a great question. Um, three years ago, Steve, that question would have scared me half to death. And that's just me as the as the stubborn coach that, you know, I, I've got it. I, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need an iPad. I don't need a video camera. I can see it. I know what, what pop off the bat is. I know what good hands look like. You know, like, and, and we do that as coaches. I, don't, I, I got a stopwatch, man. That's all I need. Well, stopwatch is technology. You know, like a, a radar gun's technology. So it's on how you define that word, but at the same time, the influx of these new products, whether it's blast sensors that are tracking things off the bat and exit velocity and attack angles, and uh, I know the, the, the dreaded word out there is launch angle and understanding what that is. Uh, the recognition of exit velocity, how important it is, um, you know, all those things that are wrapped into Rapsodo machines and, and, and all that. But I think the beauty of it and what, what I've come to understand and probably where I'm at peace with right now in, in, in talking with great coaches who have adapted to it, uh, really embraced it, I think we have to understand that technology is there as not as a way to take your job. This isn't the um, the automated conversation about, you know, the factory worker and, and artificial intelligence and technology moving in a direction that could take their job. That's not what we're talking about. There always will be a place for a coach, a, a, a physical coach. Technology, if you look at it the right way, I think, can be used as a way to enhance what you're trying to do. The difference becomes, are you able to, as a coach, your understanding and ability to use it, can you use it to strengthen and leverage technology to help strengthen your program? That's the difference to me. So, there's a lot of it going on. I think, again, recognition of how, uh, for instance, BLAST, and we've been very fortunate to have them sponsor our Barnstormer coaching clinics and spent a lot of time with those guys. We had Brett Thomas on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I just think I like the, the official motion sensor of MLB. Uh, they have, they're in like 26 of the 30 MLB organizations. So, again, if it's, if it's good for the best, you might be something worth looking into. But the beauty of it becomes – if I could use that as a coach, if I got a coaching job tomorrow, I've said this three or four times, I would that'd be the first call I make because what they can provide is not only the visual. So you can again get in the cage with the kid, throw a couple balls and say, Hey man, you need to kind of make this mechanical adjustment. Hey, try this. Hey, the ball's not coming off very good. You can say those terms. The beauty of them is set up the iPad, take some swings, tracks it, you can scrub the video in slow mo. It's got metrics throughout. You have literal numbers that allow you to say, I'm just letting you know, like you thought you squared that up pretty good, it only came off at 85. You know, consistently the ones that I thought came off the best, man, those actually tracked at 92, 93. So, again, what can we do to be more consistent having a 92 to 93 exit velocity for this particular player? Um, it gives you the metrics that allow you to, to, to use those to move your guys in a different direction towards development. The other part of it is accountability. So, like the beauty of the blast sensor is that, you know, it, it'll track. I'm just using them as an example, but it'll track swings. So when you say, hey, I think you should be getting 100 swings a week, but you've got to put your blast sensor on, you'll, you'll look on your iPad and see from your, from your uh, recliner that that dude only got 20 swings this week, and you have a chance to say, hey, Jimmy, I, I noticed you only got 20 swings. Like, you know, we, I think uh, we're talking about 100 over here. We want to make sure we're, we're working on, you know, away from practice. If you're doing the work, just that practice that I have scheduled for you for those two and a half hours, you're, you're not going to get as good as the kid that hits before practice, hits after practice, hits late at night, hits early in the morning. I'm just telling you, 
So I think leveraging it to make a better coach. I think where it's changed, and I'll, I'll use a great example from uh, the recent show we just put out, Steve, Jerry Weinstein, who's, you know, 76 years old and, and still does uh, more. Jerry's a hard, he's out there more than I am, and it's impressive. And I, I, I'm motivated by his mission to uh, continue to learn, period, but more that his, his dedication to the sport and really trying to help grow baseball. He made a quote, and I think this sums it up completely. He's learned more in the last five years than he learned in the 45 years combined before it. And I think that's him going, you know what, it's here, and it ain't going anywhere, so how can I as a coach embrace it, bring it into the fold, and be better because of it? It's changed recruiting, as you mentioned, man. It's changed that from a perspective of um, a lot of coaches, they don't, they don't necessarily have to be at your game. If your tournament or your league is collecting those metrics, I mean, you could send me a spreadsheet right now, and I'll tell you who the big strong kid is that hits in your forehole just based off numbers. I'll tell you who the, the weak, frail, five foot two, 125-pound kid is that's hitting in your leadoff spot or your nine hole. I'll be able to tell that off metrics. That's just because I've become more familiar with what those numbers mean, and that's where more coaches are moving in that direction. So I'll just say this. It's scary, and I'm, I'm, I was right there with you, terrified. Would not talk about it on the podcast, Steve. Like, would, put, would not ask the question because I didn't want to bring it up because it scared me. I didn't know enough about it. And the place where you, you have to run towards scary things. Uh, change doesn't always feel good. But it, it's a place where you'll get challenged, you'll grow, and it's an opportunity to, uh, I think, strengthen yourself as a coach in front of your players. You know, one thing I, I want to mention for our coaches that are listening, uh, the technology is awesome uh, in terms of it, it's going to identify some characteristics, some attributes of a hitter. But coaches, yeah. what, what you have to do after you've identified the flaw or the concern is you have to be able to know how to fix it. And yeah. I think I think that's where a lot of coaches today actually are falling short is the ability to take what the metric gives them and now actually find a drill, find a way that you can actually uh, not just identify but help solve the issue that that right. at hand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. No, it's it's a carryover. I mean, the numbers tell you what you what you what you think you might see. They they give you the data to back it up. But you're dead on the carryover, and that's where the best have figured out is okay. Now, what's the next move? What's the, like you said, the next drill, the next uh, change that's going to put him in a place that he's going to be able to excel. That that's the carryover. Use it to strengthen who you are and what you do. Hey, let's uh, let's talk about youth baseball today. From your viewpoint, okay. what is the state of youth baseball today? Well, I, I'll go back to USA Baseball and, and MLB, really. You know, their survey data of the games at probably one of the healthiest places it's it's ever been. So somebody listening to that goes, I disagree. It's all about your viewpoint, man. It's all about what's in front of you. If you follow uh, accounts on social media that are negative and throw jabs at everybody, you're going to see the world that way. So I just go off uh, people that are smarter than me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dumb <laughs> baseball coach, but I'm smart enough to know that that MLB and, and their team and certainly all the way down through USC Baseball, they've done a great job of making sure they're keeping the pulse of what's going on more broadly, more globally than uh, more select. And so I think we're in a healthy place. We've got Apparently participation is up as high as it's ever been. Um, and I think that's a great thing. Now the, 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 the honus now comes back to the coach. Uh, it's not the leagues, not the organization. It is the coach. It is the direct link 
between that player and his passion for baseball. So it's more, I think we are more important now than we ever have been. I think we, we place the, the key role. We are the, we are the Matthew McConaughey of this, this, this film. I mean, we have to play the central role in making sure we are doing what we can to help them understand that baseball is flat out, inarguably, the hardest game that you're ever going to play. So let's recognize that it's tough. Let's recognize that there's failure everywhere. Let's just be cognizant that um, we have to find mental ways to move past it. A, a great tweet that came out yesterday from the late, great Augie Garrido that uh, is back from his uh, inning-by-inning portrait of a coach. And it just, it just it, it sums it up completely. The game can be a learning opportunity if you approach it and teach it in that spirit. If the game is, is war, and I coach this way at times, almost in a football mentality, that it was life or death, man. Every pitch, every strike, every ball, every out, every safe was life or death. And if you coach it that way, your kids will feel it that way. If you coach it as a learning opportunity, you get the chance to help them see the bigger picture, that the failure is actually what's going to lead you to, to success. That failure is actually trying to teach you something. Every time you strike out, it's trying to teach you, again, relative to, to a specific player, it's trying to teach you that, hey, I got it. You're not very good. Layton counts. So how about that first fastball that he throws, like, over the plate at your belt that you take every time? You should try to hit that 8,000 feet. How about let, let's, let's just learn from what's the game telling us, and let's try to adapt and adopt. And so um, I think that's a huge piece. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, like we mentioned, I know it's a huge piece of what you do is keeping it fun and being creative and not, uh, as you know, and, and you love the way you brought this out in our show, is thinking creatively about what the game really is on the youth level. So for five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, it's not great to play right field. It's not great to, to pick up dandelions out in center field. The ball never gets out there. So think creatively to adjust your team and bring it more more close, bring everybody a little bit closer so they do have an opportunity to handle the baseball. Split your team into you know five, six, seven kids instead of nine that are spread out all over the field and, and work to make it as fun as you can. The best thing – my high school coach ever did, Steve, and I, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. My little league coach, I'm sorry, that offered was that was his mantra: hit, run, have fun, and chew bubble gum. That was his, <laughs> that's all I want you to do today: hit, run, have fun, and chew bubble gum. And he would come with a big tub, and if you got a hit, if you if you struck out, he made sure you had a new piece of gum before you went to the field. I mean, it was one of those things that he kept it so fun. And again, the the, the proofs in the pudding. You talk about a kid that did not was not entrenched in baseball. This is a, I grew up in the Bluegrass State, man. UK was literally, Rupp Arena, 20 miles from my front door, and I was all about hoops. I was a chubby white kid that was going to make it in the NBA, and baseball <laughs> was just something that you did. You know, you just went and played because your friends did. I had a little league coach that, that taught the game in a way that he, I really went, whoa, there is so much more to this that I didn't understand. He had us having so much fun that I didn't realize that my hands were bleeding that I was developing calluses from swinging a lot, that he brought a kid that they would throw as an 11-year-old, they threw in right field and hit in the seven hole. He brought me to first base and said, dude, you're the biggest kid on our team. Just catch the ball. Just play first base. You love to talk. I can't hear you in right field. You can run your mouth as much as you want right here. And now everybody, now run the infield. Here's how you run an infield with your voice. Here's how you tell people where to be. Hey, you're also big and strong. You should hit in our four hole. And that team, we go 19-1. and one. Now, I'm throwing out Little League stats right now. I got it. 
But <laughs> but what I'm saying is, dude, there there was a coach that literally changed my relationship with the game of baseball, and he treated it. He he helped me move it more from a hobby to a passion, and the the spirit in which he coached that team adopted. We go 19 and one. We we win it in a landslide. And I still look at that as probably one of the most fun years I ever had in the game of baseball. So to me, that's that that's the mission in, in youth baseball is will players talk about you after the season in the way I just talked about Bud Ritchie? Will they talk about you 50 years from now when, when they have their grandkids playing baseball and going, you know what, back when I was in Little League, dude, on a podcast with Steve Nicolarat talking about my Little League coach, that is the impact that we have the opportunity to have. So I think we're in a great place, but I just, again, I can't walk away from the fact that the coaches are the ones that can make sure that we continue to even move forward. Uh, Sheets, do, do kids play too many games and not practice enough today? I, you know, broad, very broadly, yes. I think the um, a lot of organizations are moving away from that model. I love the – I think there's trickle down here. So you've got the, the Indiana Chargers, which uh, do a fantastic job, travel organization. You've got the Orlando Scorpions. Uh, down in Florida, these are high-profile travel baseball programs, and they are changing their model from tournament to tournament to tournament to tournament, no practice time in between, and they are going to more of a inner squad model, a practice model, and really only playing in two or three select tournaments. So I love that. I think there's real trickle-down from that. Jeff Petty with the Evil Shield Canes, I love Jeff to death. His approach has been, you know what, I know we're going to we have to do – we've built ourselves as an exposure travel organization – but how about this? Instead of just showing up and saying, hey, guys, you've got 30 minutes in the cages, he coordinates before every game of every tournament they play on a local college or really good high school field, and he goes, hey, we're going to actually go hit pregame BP like a professional baseball team would. Like we're going to take fungos. We're going to work on things. We're going to focus on base running today for 20 minutes then take BP for 40 minutes. So I think it's just it's – just, Kind of maybe if you do are set up to play a lot of games, it's just recognition that you could dial that a different way. You could have them come 30 minutes early and do a base running circuit or do a bunting circuit or uh, do a, a catch play routine that allows you to teach. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I think we do need to kind of move in a place where the recon- understanding that practice is everything. Practice, the games are great, but practice is where we figure things out. Practice actually is an environment where we can fail and it's part of the learning process. It's easier to do that in practice than it is a game. It's easier to go dive for a baseball and not catch it, and then a coach come up and go, well, the reason that it just tipped off your glove is your first step. Man, mm-hmm. you actually stayed in the same place. So let's, let's work on your first step, and I bet three, four, five, six reps from now, you'll catch that ball without even having to dive. So I think that's the, the environment we want to teach is that, that we can do that at practice. It's tougher to do that in a game when it matters. That's when all the eyes are on you. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think more practice is better. Uh, but, you know, again, games do teach you things that you, you – you, it's hard to replicate. It's hard to replicate the intensity and the focus that you, that you uh, have in game. But uh, I would definitely shift more to practice-centered uh, uh, focus. So how can we improve uh, youth coaching today? Uh, I mean, we need a certification program. What can we do? I mean, the ABCA is a great first step, I think, in terms of opportunities for coaches to be with other people, other coaches and clinics and uh, the videos that are there. If you're, a, if you're a member of the ABCA and you attend the clinic, um, you have full access to every yeah. presentation there. It's fantastic. What other ways can we improve? Yeah, and while you brought that up, I, I would love to 
to kind of walk through that door is if you are listening to this, I just encourage you, head over to abca.org, our website, click around. The convention information is there. Like Steve said, if you do come to our convention in Nashville, January 2nd through the 5th, you're going to be around 7,000 like-minded individuals walking the floors that are going to want to learn and grow as much as you do. There's networking opportunities, the world's largest baseball trade show, divisional meetings. You get a chance to keep the pulse on what's happening on youth and, and travel and high school baseball. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, you're going to get 60 videos. You're going to get the main stage, the expo theater, and the youth stage presentations. Even if you were sitting in there, you get 60 videos post-convention. And then there's a whole wealth of information over at abcavideos.org uh, that you can click around and find out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's there's a, a lot that can be done. I think the biggest piece is making sure that uh, I think the mentality is, is important. I think awareness is huge. I think awareness is probably the – the key step for any of us uh, is recognizing where we're at and what, where we need to get better, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and you got to have personal awareness to do that. Um, we're better when we share. We're better when we stay in a state of learning. We're better when we're finding ways to not let our thoughts get stuck in concrete but find opportunities, like you mentioned, whether it's a certification program or it's a, a, a clinic somewhere or, heck, it's even a phone call. It's just picking up a, a, a phone and calling another coach and saying, hey, man, I'm teaching our first and third defense like this. How would you approach it? What do you guys do? What are you having success doing? I love uh, guys like Chuck Box. He's over at Hartfield Academy. He's a 30-year member of the ABCA. He spoke on the main stage this past year. Chuck has spent the last really 20 years inside of his high school career making sure that he's finding opportunities to travel. So in the fall or the winter, and he's traveling summer, to connect with really great baseball coaches and spend two or three days with them. And look, when you call, when you make that phone call and say, hey, I'd love to come spend some time with you, no one's going to say no. That, that's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to fly here or you're going to drive six, seven, eight hours to come spend time with me and, and really get the behind-the-scenes tour of what we do? Nobody's going to disagree with that. I know you do a lot of work, Steve. That's, that's how you and I came across each other was, was a random Facebook ad that I went, oh, my gosh, this guy – is charged with a passion to help grow baseball. He, he's out here working to help grow coaches and challenge coaches, and that's what drew me to you initially. And I think there's guys like you. There, there's, you could name them you know, ten times over that are wanting to share, that are wanting to help, that ultimately want to be part of the solution. But I think more than that, they recognize that, that the mentality of a great coach has always been one of a learner, has always been one of one that shares always one that, that never lets his thoughts settle. It's one that's always in constant challenge mode. And so uh, I think all those things are important. And then, uh, you know, just realize that you're not alone. And whether it's uh, Coach Baseball Right, whether it is resources over at USA Baseball, whether it is the ABCA, uh, whether it is some of the MLB initiatives that are out there, whether it's any organization and what they're doing. I mean, we, we support all, and I think you just got to know that you're not alone. And there are things that can help you. There are resources that are free, there are resources you have to invest in and everywhere in between that can help make you a better coach. And uh, we just encourage you to do that. So if you don't mind, Steve, like if, if anybody listening out there wants to connect, uh, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, uh, at CoachSheets3. My email is Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. And my cell phone is area code 502-767-7680. I'm here to help, and I'd uh, love to help point you in the right direction. Yeah, that's that is great stuff. And guys, I, Jeremy is is really sincere when he when he says that he's been totally accessible to me whenever I've had a concern or a question. 
and and I want to I want to encourage everyone to take advantage of that. Hey, one last uh, question, uh, college sure. recruiting, um, coaching side, parent side, even the player side. Um, can you go through the process a little bit, how it works, and some maybe some of the concerns you might have? Yeah, so um, and it's a lot. I, I actually about uh, it's been about ten years. I was working with a, a camp company, and we started giving these recruiting seminars. And Steve, I I gave a few, and I went, man, I left out this, 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 and this. And I sat down and put all that information in a condensed PowerPoint, and it was ninety slides. Wow. So it's a lot of information. It's a, it's a lot to to take in. I think I'll go a couple broad points, and I think the the biggest one is this. Everyone has their right fit. And I think a caveat, so 1A and 1B, is don't have a predetermined destination or level as to what you think that right fit is. <laughs> okay? So what I mean by that is uh, I could have told everybody, and I did. I, I remember telling my family at a Christmas one year, I was 15, and my uncle says, well, where, you know, you want to play college baseball? I do. Where do you want to play at? Well, I mean, LSU, for sure. I mean, you know, they've been to the World Series a few times and, you know, won a couple national. I like LSU a lot. Um, you know, UCLA, because I, I would like to wear my pants up in stirrups. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think I'd look sweet doing that. And um, I don't know, if UK ever called, I'd probably go play at Kentucky. Guys, I played Division II baseball at the Kentucky Wesleyan College. So, like, I think when you ask a player or a parent, all you see is what you know on TV. And you think, well, man, I mean, I'm watching NCAA regionals here. Well, at the same time, the Division II World Series is going on, the Division III World Series is going on, the NAI World Series is going on, the Junior College World Series. There are literally, of the 300 Division Ones, there are 1,500 other college baseball programs around the country that can provide you a great opportunity. So for me, I think a, a great starting place is look at what matters to the family and the player specifically. So I always use an analogy of a fork. And so you have five prongs on, to start with on everyone's fork, and you've got to determine how many of those stay. So we're talking about the baseball fit. We're talking about the location. We're talking about the, the size of school. We're talking about the, the academic fit, and we're talking about the financial fit. You know, those, those are real con considerations. Baseball, can you play there? Are you wanted? Uh, can you produce there? Like if you're a – heck, I had a conversation with some guys yesterday. I really love to win. Sweet. That school that's recruiting you goes, you know, five and forty-five. So I don't think you're going to like that very much. But again, are you chasing the the number behind it? Or are you chasing the fit? The baseball's got to work. I think the biggest, you know, another big piece is is location and recognition that man, if, I don't like cold weather. Like I don't like you are, Steve. St. Louis, pretty good weather. Midwest, that, that's that's what I grew up in. I can handle midwestern weather. I tell you what, I, I can't go play in Michigan. I just can't. That's for me. I can't go play baseball in in Maine, that won't work for me. I don't like cold weather. I don't like snow that much. So location matters. Plus, your parents want to go see you play a lot of times. So, you know, if I live in Kentucky, I can't look at schools in California. I knew that my dad couldn't take flights every other weekend to come see me. So location matters. Uh, size of school and obviously the, the, the school fit, period. Um, some kids don't work great at big schools. Some some kids, they live in a, they got a small high school and they need a small environment. They need that low student to teacher ratio. I mean that's that that's a lot of the of of the fit. The academic fit. Don't go anywhere that doesn't have the degree you want. If you want to be a veterinarian and they don't offer vet sciences, you shouldn't go there and get a business degree just to get a business degree and play baseball there. You gotta chase the degree that you want. So make sure it's an academic fit. And lastly the financial fit and I think parents don't 
consider the fact that your son, number one, doesn't understand how much college costs, more often than not, but number two, doesn't know how much you're willing to spend on college out of pocket. Yes, you will have to take out loans. Don't expect baseball to look like football and basketball where coach comes in and says, 100% of this is paid for. We'd love to have you. That doesn't happen. A great baseball scholarship, 25%. If you're really, really good, 50%. Then you've got to find a way to make up the difference through academic monies or through financial aid or through outside grants and scholarships and bridge the gap to, again, keep your loans to a minimum. So financially, have a conversation. Back in Kentucky, I know I'm not too far away from there, Steve, there are a couple schools that are, couldn't be two different dynamics. Indiana University Southeast, right across the river in New Albany, Indiana from Louisville, it's roughly about $5,000 a year. Center College, which is the top academic degree in that region, is about $60,000. So when you're looking at it going, my, you know, my dad and I had that conversation. The first letter I ever got was from Center. And I go, Center College? Oh, my gosh, Dad, if I, if I get a degree from Center, man, I can do whatever I want. He goes, yeah, yeah, how are we going to pay for that? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and that, that we had to have that conversation. He goes, look, on the sliding scale here, we're probably the $5,000 to $25,000 ceiling. That's, that's probably what's going to make the most sense. You're going to get some academic. Hopefully you get a little bit of baseball. We're going to get some financial aid, and this will make this pretty cheap so you're not burdened with student loans, and I don't have Parent PLUS loans out the wazoo. So it's just recognition of where you're at financially. So, again, I think use the analogy uh, recognize that if you looked at all the pros and cons across the board, Steve, and you remove the levels, pick the right fit, and raise up the hat and go, oh, okay, well, they, they play Division three baseball. That doesn't matter. This is the best fit for me across all those dynamics. And I think you, you end up having a great college experience. I think when we chase things uh, for whatever reasons, a better tweet, or uh, dad gets to hike up his khakis at the water cooler because his kid's you know, signed a big scholarship somewhere like, hey, that's great, man. But I've I've seen enough of this to know that a lot of times when you do that and you're stretching yourself, you figure out you're not the right fit, you get redshirted, and you get discouraged, and you quit and you transfer. So now you're having to do this whole thing all over again. So I think start there um, and just, again, recognize that it's going to come to you. So I know there's a lot of people listening to this, Steve, that they're they're 14, their kid's 14 years old, and – they're looking at other freshmen on their teams that are committing. And they're looking at going, well, man, if he's committing, how come I'm not? Nobody's calling us and we don't have anything. Or there's juniors right now. Heck, there's seniors right now that are going, man, I haven't found my right. Nobody's calling me. It happens on everyone's timeline. It's not regulated to it has to happen by your freshman year or even it has to happen by your senior year. It's just knowing that you have to be the aggressors in this recruiting process. You can't wait for a coach to come find you. You have to be the one that reaches out with an email and says, Coach, I'm interested in you. So much so that here's a video. I want you to take a look. It's three minutes. Take a look. And if I'm the right fit, I'll come for a visit. I just want to know that, that I want you to know that I'm a fit. I think I'm a fit. I think I'm interested in what you guys have going. You have to be the aggressors. And it's just like dating. You're going to hear no a lot. I know I heard that a lot as a 15, 16-year-old, but, hey, it didn't discourage me. I kept fighting, and I found the right fit. And I think that's what, uh, you know, we've all been through that. So there's a lot to digest there, man, but I think more than that, just find the right place for you, recognize it's going to happen on its own timeline, and uh, you got to be the aggressors in this whole thing. Don't let it come to you. Hey, Sheets, uh, thanks so much for your, your great insight. Thanks for uh... – all you do for coaches uh, through the ABCA, it's really, really appreciated by all of us. 
And thanks so much for uh, your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Wish you and your family the very best. Steve, it is absolutely my pleasure, man. I'm so thankful and grateful that you and I have developed a friendship. And I'm, I'm, I'm more excited there's people like you out in the baseball world because you know that we're heading the right direction. I know the great things you're doing with Coach Baseball Right. Can't recommend your stuff enough. Um, thanks for speaking at our convention a couple of years ago, and certainly you'll be back up there in the future. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. And, and, again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. Hey, thanks so much, Sheets. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Sheets. We covered an awful lot today. The impact of technology in baseball, recruiting, the state of youth baseball, and so much more. I also wanted to emphasize just a couple things concerning this interview. Coaches, let's make sure when we go home after a game that we're really present for our family. Too many times we bring the game home with us. Let's make sure that we continue our coaching education, be open to learning new and better ways to meet the needs of our players. Let's not forget to make it fun for the kids. I think Sheets said something like, hit, run, fun, and bubblegum. And let's make sure that we at least consider cutting back the number of games and practicing more. Thanks again for joining us for our podcast, and we'll see you next time.